Okay, what's going on, guys? And welcome to a brand new episode of Energized. Roscoe, the special guest. You said don't say a special guest, but now you're on the spot. <laughs> yeah, here I am. Um, guys, how's it going? We have an action-packed show today. We are going to discuss um, the GOAT situation in the UFC. Conor McGregor tweeted who his GOATs were, and I got the whole world talking. Uh, there's plenty to talk about at the top of each division. Uh, vacant bantamweight belt, the lightweight title, the welterweight title, we're going to get into all that. BMF and then we're title. also going to discuss BMF title, and we're also going to get into this weekend's UFC. So, Barry, Conor yeah. came out and named his goats, and the greatest of all time for those of you living under a rock and don't know what that means, he ranked Anderson Silva in at number one. Himself yeah. either tied number one, if not number two, George St. Pierre in at number three, and then John Jones, to, uh, tied in number three, if not number four. Um, what did you make of what Conor McGregor said and what are your thoughts on it in general? Um, first of all, it's good to be back. Uh, second of all, he's ruffling feathers to the crack. You know, he's sitting at home and he's in a massive mansion and he's just stirring the pot. He is, isn't he? Uh, who was it? Uh, Khabib. He's, creating, he's creating shows for us, you know, which yeah. is great. Cheers, Conor. Khabib, Khabib was like, you are number one Twitter fighter. <laughs> Which I think was absolutely gas. Um, look, for me, the pound for pound is one of those things where if you actually understand pound for pound, it was actually set up in boxing. And it was sort of, if all fighters weighed the exact same, who is the best? And when you really look into that and sort of deep dive into it, for me, George Pierre comes out number one every single time. Uh, long-time UFC welterweight champion. And then, he, you know, his swan song, he moved up to middleweight and me beat Michael Bisping for the middleweight title. We were there. We saw the man in action. He was brilliant. He dropped uh, Michael Bisping and he took him out with a rear naked choke. It was an absolutely beautiful performance. Do you Not actually remember that? People. Do you remember that fight? Yeah, yeah I do, yeah. Like, <laughs> 74 cans of beer later. Yeah. $7 cans of beer as well to go, to go with it. Like, they were super boys. Actually, I actually think they could have been like 10 or $13 a beer. You know what? Yeah. Silly carry on. We're like, take the card. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was crazy. And look, he's my number one. He has no drug, uh, failed drug test or anything like that. Uh, obviously, Anderson Silva does. John Jones does. And Connor doesn't. Connor doesn't, but Connor lost in convincing fashion to Nate Diaz, and he lost in convincing fashion to Khabib. Yeah, he did go back and get the Nate fight, but George St. Pierre, um, let's let's be honest, he went up and he won the middleweight belt. I, I think even if was yeah, Whitaker on the night, he would have done it as well. Yeah, but hold on, right? He Connor did the same thing. He got the he got the win back against Nate, and then went on to win yeah. the title. And then yeah. George St. Pierre lost against Matt Serra and then got the win back and won the title. Yeah. Yeah, but then Connor went and lost to Khabib. George didn't lose after that. Yeah, I know, but like it, it's sort of like his story is still ongoing. Like, uh, honestly, oh, no, so- it is still ongoing. Definitely is still ongoing. I'm not ruining what Connor did. Connor like changed the game. He's the number one prize fighter UFC has yeah. ever seen, <clears throat> the world's ever seen. Yeah. Well, that's the thing we don't want to. That's the thing. Like when you're talking about goats, you can't. 
I wonder what other people think, but I don't think really you should add in how much money they brought or mm. how much money they earned because, like, you, you, uh, yeah, you, you it's probably, who, who's the best at the sport? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think, like, I think there's some people who get totally left out of the conversation all the time, and I think it's so harsh. Daniel Cormier, two way champion, uh, yeah, no one ever mentions his name. Yeah, but it's because John Jones sort of finished him. Convincing. I know, yeah, but he, he was also, after that fight, he was done for, uh, he failed drug tests. You know what I mean? So, like, I it's been like, all right, grand. And then Henry Cejudo and Demetrius Johnson as well. Like, Demetrius Johnson holds records for most total defenses in UFC history. You can sort of argue maybe the color of opponents he's fought compared to someone like John Jones is far less. But, you know what I mean? You can only beat the person across from you. And then Henry Cejudo, two-way world champion. Um, you know what I mean? Like, he also beat Demetrius Moyman Johnson and Dominic Cruz. Like, two, they're two really big scallops. I know it was the end of Dominic Cruz's career, but Dominic Cruz is the bantamweight goat. And I'd sort of say that by a long stretch. And Demetrius Johnson was the flyweight goat by a long stretch. And Henry Cejudo beat both of them. I know. I think the smaller guys always don't get as much recognition, and this has got counteracting my argument for people getting the most money and the most because the the flyweights and the bantamweights never really get that huge audience. They don't bring in much of a crowd. Yeah. So it, when you're like when you're saying the money doesn't really count, but you, it's, the, it's like the eyes count. Yeah. It's like the, the it's like the eyes on it. It's a bit like. If I was the best footballer in the world, right, and I played in, I know that's very laughable, and I only ever played football in the Scottish League, yeah. people would be like, oh no, he's not the best, yeah. because the competition he played against wasn't as good, or, ah, I heard he was good, but I didn't really see much of him, yeah. as opposed to someone like Ronaldo, who's like, or Messi, who's like, playing in the top divisions, and they're in the Champions League, and, you know, they're winning the top prizes. They're seeing it every week. And I yeah. suppose when you're talking about MMA, I feel like nearly everyone knows who George St. Pierre is. But like, if you don't know who George St. Pierre is, you definitely know who Conor McGregor is. And I feel like a lot of <coughs> casual people who watch sport will just be like, ah, Conor McGregor must be the best ever. Sure, he won all the belts. Yeah. Because that's the way they hear it. If, so, if if you were walking down the road now and you said to someone the top and you gave them the John Jones, Anderson Silva, Conor McGregor, and George St. Pierre, what way would they rank them in order of who they actually know? But what what road am I walking down? Uh, the mean streets of Clontarf. Okay, so if I if I'm in my own hometown, um, who who would they know? Yeah. Well, that obviously Conor McGregor would be number one, but like, yeah. well, I know what that is. Uh, <laughs> am I stopping from my own age? Yeah. Go on. I would almost say John Jones is the second most known because he's still active. Still I'd going. agree. I'd agree. Uh, but Khabib is probably the second most known. I know. They might say Khabib's the best because like, he's undefeated and he beat Conor. Therefore, he is the GOAT. You know what I mean? Yeah. Khabib is another person who I didn't say. He's also left out of the GOAT conversation. Like, he just, like, absolutely destroys people one after the other. No mess. Well, he's only on his rise uh, run now, really. I know he's undefeated for so long, but, like, 
It's yeah, but true. people want to say Messi and Ronaldo are the greatest of all time. And you're allowed to say that, and they're still active. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they've won the most as well. Yeah, like Khabib's basically won the most. Well, he's, only, he's, he's only done two title defences. One against Poirier. Oh, no. It, yeah, two title defences. Won the title against Aloy Quinta. Defended against Poirier. Defended against McGregor. Yeah, oh, Conor, but, Conor McGregor's never actually defended the title, has he not? No, he hasn't, no. Which I think is funny. But I, th- I think he's like always looking to go onwards and upwards to the next next step. Yeah, well, then, then he went to Fat Floyd and stuff as well. So it's, see, everyone's journey is different. So that's yeah. why we, we have this conversation. Like, I know. For, you, for, for, for me, right, it's very prevalent that George St. Pierre is number one. And then there's like a whole list of other people who could be playing at number two. You have John Jones. If you, if you want to exclude his drug test, you could argue John Jones over George St. Pierre. But like, when you fail two drug tests, I think like really that, that drops you down. Then you have Anderson Silva, because like Anderson Silva's heyday was like unbelievable. You have Fedor as well. People uh, are mentioning Fedor. Uh, you have Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo. You can even put Dominic Cruz in there because he actually beat Demetrius Johnson. And then you have Conor McGregor as well. You know what I mean? I probably forgot someone. Khabib. And Khabib. <coughs> there you have it. Like, you know what I mean? You have eight people who you want to put in there. Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes, if you want to start including the women. And she has a very, very strong case for it as well. Uh, and it's funny because people are so quick to discredit Conor McGregor and they want to be like, oh, you're Conor no hugger. And then I saw a lot of people <laughs> being like, who even John uses Jones. that phrase? Who even used that phrase? <laughs> I think it's an American phrase. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> John Jones, like, I oh, have 14 total defenses. But beating someone in a total fight, I don't want really, to, like, say that's not as good, but he sort of went down and, like, faced, like, a few, like, he fought OSP and he fought Anthony Smith and he fought Thiago Santos. Like, they all sort of moved up and he was sort of, like, fighting them because he wasn't going to fight, like, Daniel Cormier or Gustafsson again. You know what I mean? Maybe a bit harsh on Anthony Smith because he beat Gustafsson. But yeah. when you look at these guys, like, John Jones is almost like, his better fights were when he beat, like, Shogun yeah. and he beat Rashad Evans and he beat Gustafsson and Cormier. Before the P, he, 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 he was out. Yeah, he was sort of beating 9 out of 10 fighters and now, like, he's almost fighting 7 out of 10 fighters. Because he, hasn't, he hasn't been as no impressive since as well. No, I feel like John almost fights the person in front of him, if that makes sense. As in, like, if John's fighting a 9 out of 10 fighter, he'll fight 10 out of 10. And if he's fighting a 7 out of 10 fighter, he'll fight 8 out of 10. So, like, when he's in training camp, he's like, right, I only need to train enough to beat this guy, not, like, to beat himself. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And, like, he's done a lot of sort of self-sabotage. But, Barry, give us your uh, list. Who, who's the go for you? I'd have to go with George St. Pierre. Then, then, then it's sort of tricky, you know. There, I think he is the one. Yeah, I mean, I know Khabib is sort of knocking around now and being undefeated. What is it like twenty something now? Twenty eight now, I think. Twenty nine now. Like that's unbelievable. Um, I think it's just easier to go with George St. Pierre. It's like the others yeah. can fluctuate. Like obviously, what Connor's done, what Henry Cejudo's done, what Demetrius Johnson's done, uh, John Jones. Uh, do you see Anderson Silva off the back of this has challenged Conor McGregor to a fight at 176 pounds and Conor McGregor said challenge accepted this happened in the last two hours no Barry if these two fight at 176 pounds 
Who walks out with their hand raised? Honestly, Connor, I think Anderson Silva's just too old now. He's like 40-something. He's coming off another injury. It's... Um, well, that made Conor McGregor, like, if he was able to knock out Anderson Silva, how impressive would that look, considering, you know, Israel Adesanya went three rounds against him? True, yeah. I think, I think it's just, like, when you're looking at certain... Like, the way Conor said certain people were one, two, three, and four, he knows that that could annoy Jordan St. Pierre and get him to want to come out. You know, yeah, true. For a massive payday. Because if he, if he causes George number one, then that means George is, like... George is ahead of him. Yeah. So now he's like, wait a minute, that might like ruffle a few feathers. True, true. Yeah. Um, Barry, I'm going to run you through a few of the divisions in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, I want you to give me your take on them. Uh, at the moment, the flyweight title is vacant, but Devison Figueroa and Joseph Benavidez are scheduled to fight each other, I think, at the end of June in a rematch. Figueroa missed weight last time. Do you think that's the right match for, rematch for the title? I'll just I'll just say yeah. Although Figueroa like won quite convincingly last time. Yeah. Um. Then at bantamweight, the sound on the underground is that they're going to do Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo for the bantamweight title. Um. Also, UFC 250, you have Santagan versus Sterling. The odd man out in this situation is the number one ranked fella in the division, Marlon Marais. What do you make of the bantamweight division at the moment? That's a, there is a, like I was just listening to Sean O'Malley he was on Luke Thomas's show and they're going over the, those sort of fights that are coming up like some really exciting fights it's almost going to be like a, they're like semi-finals and then a final mm. so I think all the top four are going to or are all going to take on each other and the king what about Marlon Marais he's sort of left out in the, in the cold here is he injured I'm not too sure if he's injured or not, but he's the only one who doesn't look like he has a matchup. And as someone said, who's ranked five is fighting Garbrandt, ranked number nine. Yeah. Uh, an impressive win there for one of those two could like almost get them, you know, in line for a title shot as well. Yeah. Well, apart from you asking me, what do I think about Marlon Marais here? Who else is saying that? Who else is saying which? But who else is knocking on the door of Dana White's uh, office being like, what about Marlon Marais? Well, the, the funny thing is, is that if you, if you look at the way the bantamweight division is, right, you have Sterling at two, and he's going to fight Sandhagen at four, right? Yeah. Then you have Peter Yan at number three, and he's going to fight Aldo at six. Pedro Munoz is at seven, and he's going to fight Frank Yeager, who's coming down to the bantamweight division. There's another man in the mix. Uh, Cody Garbrandt's going to fight Rafael Asunzo, who's uh, number five. So, Marlon Marais might have to go back and fight Jimmy Riviere again, who's already knocked out recently. Or, what you could do is to throw it back in there. Ask Dominic Cruz, does he want to fight Marlon Marais? And then you have a quarterfinal and you have a lovely bracket. I'll just agree, I'll just agree to that, man, because uh, that sounds pretty good. Although, I don't see Dominic Cruz being like, yeah, Marlon Marais. Well, if it gets him back to a title, he might. I know. He might hold out for TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw is also due to come back, I think, in January or February of 2021. So, like, that's looking exciting as well. Yeah, but uh, and a roof, a win for Cruz in that could put him back up in the title contention because you can still say that the fight was stopped early, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, next up, I'm going to take it to Barry, is the lightweight division. Obviously, Khabib is the champ, and Justin Gaethje is the interim champ. Uh, Poirier is going to fight Hooker. 
do you think that leaves sort of uh, Ferguson and McGregor, or do you think that fight isn't really enticed enough now after Tony Ferguson lost? It's it like I don't think that fight was really going to happen unless it had to happen. Now mm. I, I don't think it really has to happen. Like there's obviously like Khabib's doing what he's doing. He's obviously the champ. Gaethje now is the interim champ. Do you think like the next Tony Ferguson fight should be him versus Charles Oliveira? I think people would love that fight. Maybe, but it, it it's because the Khabib Ferguson fight is just it it might happen further down the line. It's not going to happen next. Mm. People are more now like looking looking somewhere else, looking at what Gaethje's doing next. Gaethje's stone his fire now. Okay, so do you think we're getting Gaethje Khabib and then do you think there's going to be a big backlog there in the lightweight division? Because Connor can sort of jump in and jump out whenever he wants. Yeah. And like a winner, just say Dan Hooker beats Justin Poirier. I don't think people are clamoring for a Dan Hooker title shot. No. Like very fan-friendly fight style, but I don't think anyone gives him a chance to beat and it could be, so therefore I don't think anyone's that interesting fighting could be. Yeah, he's not really, really well known as well. Like Gaethje, McGregor, Khabib, Ferguson, they'd be all the top with Poirier around there as well. I'm, like, I'm looking at the rest of the division and like, sort of, it's like the top six and then like everyone else, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because like you have Kevin Lee, like he's probably going to take a year off. Aloy Aquinta, like, is he actually going to be able to fight for a title again? Don't think so. No. Uh, Diego Ferreira, look, he was impressive when he beat Pettis, but like, I'm not like clamoring to see him. Gregor Gillespie, like, it's still all I can see is him getting knocked out by Kevin Kevin Lee. Uh, right. Islam Makachev, like, he's never going to fight Khabib, so that's a bit out there. Don Cerrone, like, we just saw him lose. Drew Dober, 14. I'd actually like to see him fight Paul Felder because I think that would be like a very entertaining scrap. But like, I've, I see Drew Dober as like an Alloy Quinta esque person. And then uh, Benil Dariush is like, how many times has he been ranked between 12 and 15? I think his entire career, basically. Yeah. Well, it, well Connor's obviously getting called out by Usman as well. Then obviously yeah. the Usman, Masvidal, Diaz rematch, Justin Gaethje, and Khabib. Yeah. And like, I feel like George St. Pierre and Adam Silva are also like possibilities. So I feel like Connor could almost like churn out two or three fights really fast. I feel like UFC are too slow to sign a McGregor fight because they're like, oh, the money and then there's no fans and there's no gay. But I'm sitting there going, you need to get McGregor in there now because the pay-per-views will be massive. If you think 700,000 pay-per-views for Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson, like that's a massive pay-per-view number for those guys to do, considering yeah. those who have never drawn on pay-per-view ever before and neither have Cruz or Cejudo. So it just shows people are willing to put their money down for a good product. But why don't they put McGregor down and then see if he'll fight again on a fast turnaround? I'm almost a bit shocked that we haven't seen McGregor since the Cerrone fight because he came out so unscathed. I know. I was listening to another show there. I think it was actually Pete Carroll's show with Noel McGrath, two sound lads. They, yeah, they were saying that, um, that there could be a possibility of like a two... Two you can make two million, economy. Yeah, I, I believe I believe that's a possible figure. Yeah, well, nothing else is going down. No, 
And then, like, if you're looking at your other pay-per-view draws, we might as well look to the welterweight division, and we're not looking at the champion. Um, obviously, Kamara Usman is Conor McGregor. Obviously, he wants that smoke. And then, I, th- I think it's uh, Adil Abdulaziz sort of has, like, the hold over the two divisions, because he's the manager of Kamara Usman, Khabib Ramagamadov, and Gaethje versus, or, and Justin Gaethje. So I think he probably wants to do, like, Gaethje versus Khabib, because, like, he'll make so much money off managing both those guys. And he's like, Right, was you McGregor Usman, and I'll make Usman loads of money, and in turn make himself loads of money. Yeah, do you think that well, that's what he's angling for? The money. Well, like yeah, he, he is in charge of, of the upper echelon of fighters here. Mm. Um, everyone, you see, everyone just wants to grab Conor McGregor. You know, yeah, <laughs> like the, they want to. Everyone slice that pie before he retires. No one knows when he's gonna yeah. hang up the gloves. Yeah. Who knows if these lads even really, really dislike him? Like, obviously, Khabib, he's not on Khabib's Christmas card list. Mm. But, like, someone like Kamaru Usman, who's not making, he's not drawing big numbers at all. That's not a lie. Like, like yeah. Kobe Covington was the one who get, brought in over half the eyes in the last fight. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's, have a, let's have a look at that division, right? Tyron Woodley yeah. is fighting Gilbert Burns this weekend. We'll get into that in a, in a bit. Yeah. Kobe Covington. Actually, this week announced his departure from uh, American Top Team, so he's no longer with them anymore. Uh, Jorge Masvidal's in at three, and Leon Edwards is in at number four. So Usman said his next fight is going to be one of those guys if it's not Conor McGregor. Uh, I think he was almost angry at Leon Edwards because Masvidal doesn't seem interested in that fight. I think Masvidal's like, if you're not going to pay me what I'm worth, I'd rather fight Nate Diaz again. Yeah, but Masvidal said that he. Uh, Usman was offered it to fight him, mm. and then Usman said no, and then came back and said he wanted. Usman came back and said, I'll, "I'll take it." But then, in between that, Nate Diaz had accepted a fight. Okay, well, maybe I think the fight to make is Usman versus Masvidal. Personally, that's what I'd like to see. Um, it, it makes sense for uh, Usman, and I'd say Usman would be a heavy favorite. Mm. But there is something. Masvidal versus Connor is is something that I think I really want to see if uh, everything's just laid out on the table. It would like you'd be interested in both lads. Both are, are have like the, the the obviously great backstories. Like mm. the, if you put Masvidal against Usman, it, unless Masvidal wins, it just kills off that hype. Then yeah, it could be a Nigerian nightmare for uh, yeah for Masvidal. And then, and then where's then where does Usman go from there? I think in an ideal situation, it's again, you're trying to fit five pieces into a four-piece jigsaw. You know what I mean? With these yeah. guys. You're left with five fighters. I want to see Leon. I want to see Leon Edwards against Usman. Two. Yeah, but obviously um, we're going to get into this weekend's fight because if Tyron Woodley wins, mm. he could then move up and he could then fight against Usman. But Leon Edwards is ready. Yeah, Leon Edwards is more than ready. And I feel like it's very like light, the lightweight division. You have those top five guys and then everyone else. Yeah. Um, and this also comes down to locations as well. Let's not forget that. As of right now. Like, I, do you even think Floyd Island's happen? Like, I know oh, this. I, 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 actually, I, I, I actually do. I think the closer we get towards those dates, I think it is happening. I think Dana White even come out and go, like, I want to have all the infrastructure built and then take photos and then reveal it. I think he doesn't want to reveal an island with nothing on it and then be like, this is it. Yeah, I think he wants to have it like cow- built and be like, for people to go, fucking hell, that's so incredible. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, Cowboy pulls up in his 
uh, his van. Yeah, or V. Or V. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> you're uh, too American, man. You're too American. Yeah. So let's see. Right, Woody's gonna fight Burns. Yeah. And then, what do we think? I always sort of want to see Covington versus Masvidal as well, just because you know that ATT beef. I, you know what I mean? I don't, like I would as well. Yes, but I don't. I think Masvidal is just has a hard set on either Nate Diaz. Look, if Leon Edwards can't get into the country or we're waiting a while for Floyd Island, I'll happily have Woodley versus Compton and Masvidal Usman. Yeah, Woodley versus Compton and Masvidal Usman. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that as well. I'll take that as well. And why not do them all on the one night? Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought you meant that as well. What happens, yeah. now, what happens now if Woodley wins on the weekend quite convincingly and then gets on the mic and calls out? Like, that could... That, there's your promotion right there because like Usman and Woodley are both based in America as well yeah well I, I think that was me basically saying Woodley would win this weekend yeah because uh, he needs that but if Woodley comes out and wins Woodley has a lot going for him and also it's one of those things where if he wasn't Stramone back and you know <laughs> me I love T. Wood he'd have more fans behind him and more people sort of clamoring for him to get the title shot because really, see, Woodley defended the belt, I think, three or four times. Uh, he only had one bad fight. And other than that, he was a very dominant champion. And next thing you know, he loses one bad fight. He gets another win. And he's still sort of like, oh, he's almost fourth in line at the moment for the title shot. I think this is going to be a new Woodley. When, when do you want to get into this weekend's card? Or do we have much? Well, we can, get, we can get into it now if you want. Yeah, I, th- I think so because I think it's the perfect time. Like Woodley it is fighting this weekend, UFC fight night. It's in, on the Apex Arena. So this is going to be very interesting what's happened going down in Vegas. Uh, Ross, you brought up some funny point about the WWE's NXT fighters. What, do you want to explain that? Yeah, so WWE have now got like their sort of rookies or whatever they want to call them. And they're like acting as fans in the arena. So I was sort of wondering, could, you know, you see he's fighting Mackenzie Dern's fighting earlier in the night. And then could she come back out and sit in the bleachers for the Tyrone Woodley fight? I'd be yeah. interested to see if you're allowed to do that. Probably not, I would imagine. Because I think the WWE, they had the, the Perspex glass up. Speaking of, speaking, speaking of wrestling, did you see, uh, it was someone on Twitter newsfeed, Ariel Hawani was tweeting it. And uh, Chris Jericho's in the ring. And then Mike Tyson walks down with an AEW t-shirt with um, Henry Cejudo, Vitor Belfort, and who, who's the guy who used to be light heavyweight champion, fought against John Jones. Uh, he was the George, uh, he was the, the captain against Rampage. Oh, Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans, yeah. By the way, he's Rashad Evans as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all, they all came out and then Mike Tyson tried to rip his, like, his own t-shirt off and he's absolute beast, by the way, Mike Tyson. And like, like Cole Kogan, but the thing was, it was so like, he couldn't rip it off properly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the life of wrestling, that's crazy. We actually mentioned Henry Cejudo possibly going to WWE, but now I think... That, 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 was, that was mad. Like, the, uh, I didn't see that. I actually saw a picture of uh, Vitor Belfort with Mike Tyson and people were like, Ah, no yeah. wonder he's in such good shape. Yeah, T.O.T. Belfort. Yeah, they all came down to the Titantron. <laughs> so uh, that's crazy. I'll, I'll have to like YouTube that. Yeah, but well, it's... <laughs> you were too busy watching SmackDown. But uh, yeah, this weekend, it is UC Fight Night. 
uh, as we said, it's on the Apex Arena this Saturday. And then also next weekend, it's UC 250. So make sure you, like, you will be coming out with a show with that for next week. Uh, by the way, we were meant to have Paul Hughes on today's show, but unfortunately, I had some problems. Obviously, hence the difference in the backdrop. Uh, Ross, we're going we're gonna to start with the main card, the main event of the evening, because the whole card itself is not amazing. Uh, Tyron Woodley is taking on Gilbert Burns in the welterweight division. What are you expecting here? And first of all, start off with who exactly is Gilbert Burns for people that do not know? Gilbert Burns is possibly one of the most dangerous welterweights UFC have to offer right now. He has unbelievable knockout power in both hands, but his really major factor is his jiu-jitsu. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and he is one of the elite. The elite. He's actually a second-degree Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, so much so that he had no fear going to the ground with Damian Maia. And some even said going into the Maia fight that he actually had better jiu-jitsu than Damian Maia. He might have the best jiu-jitsu in the welterweight division. He also beat Gunnar Nelson by decision in his fight before. So in terms of Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners in the welterweight division as an MMA fighter, he's the best that uh, UFC has to offer. So, is, he almost, is he almost like the Islam Makachev of... The welterweight division, just sort of racking up these wins and people are sort of hesitant to fight him? Yeah, as, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's actually lost a fight at welterweight. I've seen him previously uh, lose at lightweight, but he's never lost at welterweight, I don't think, as far as I'm aware. And, okay. like, he's beaten uh, Cowboy, Brazilian Cowboy. He's beaten uh, Oban Mercier. He's sort of almost, like, secretly beating everyone, if yeah. that makes sense. Uh, so... Gil Burns won't watch out, and he is game as anything. He was calling out Francis and Ganu, and he wasn't messing. He was like, I'll fight Ganu on short notice, no bother. This man redefines the words anytime, any place, anywhere. And not only on top of that, he was calling out Woodley when Covington pulled out of the f- fight that they were supposed to agree on on this card. And Woodley was ignoring him. Woodley was like not writing back to him. And Gilbert Burns is convinced that Tyron Woodley is afraid of him. What's your take on the bar? <laughs> I'm getting excited. Carry on. <laughs> Tyron Woodley. Uh, Tyron Woodley is unfortunately coming off uh, a loss, a very bad decision loss to the UFC welterweight champion, Kamara Usman. No, like a, ba- a bad performance loss, not like he should have yeah. won the decision. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was... The worst performance of his career. Um, it's the second time I've ever seen Woodley freeze. He froze against Roy McDonald before, and he froze against Kamara Usman. Look, Woodley is absolutely devastating uh, when he needs to be. We've seen it in his knockout of Robbie Lawler when he originally won the belt. We've seen him against Darren Till. He knocked him down, took him down, tapped him out. Uh, oh, he had two fights against Wonderboy. He was explosive in both. Uh, obviously, he can also be extraordinarily tentative. But Gilbert Burns brings the fight, so expect fireworks in this one. I could see uh, Woodley probably getting a knockout here. Um, I just think Gilbert Burns loves the scrap too much, and I think Woodley's probably the slicker of the two boxers. But both will be absolutely jacked going into this fight. Yeah, Woodley's no spring chicken. Like Gilbert Burns, like from watching this stuff, he's very exciting. But I think ever since Woodley lost his last fight and he's been getting called out, I think he's just, he's more, I have a feeling that he's going to be more of a dog now going into this. Like, he's like, right, mm-hmm. I have to reprove myself. You know what I mean? All these, all this shit music saying champ stuff, 
I, I, I haven't heard any recent releases, so therefore he mustn't be making as much music. Mm-hmm. Although who knows what song he'll come out with walking out. But um, I, I can only I can only see Woody winning this. But the great thing is, you said yourself that you're only a star once you become a star, mm-hmm. and this could be a huge uh, like if if Gilbert Brand, uh, Gilbert gets the win, he could be the next. Who I'd love to see who who each one is mm-hmm. calling out next. But um, I'm going to go for Woodley as well. This one, Ross, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. in, in the comment event, Blagoy Ivanov, uh, one of two uh, European fighters on the card, is taking Augusto Sakai in the heavyweight division. Ross, I only found out that uh, uh, Ivanov actually previously beat Fedor in Sambo. I think he did, yeah. <laughs> he, he was also the PFL uh, heavyweight champion. Look, he is as tough as they come. Uh, he's gone the distance against Junior Santos, Ben Rothwell, Toy Tuivasa, and Derek Lewis. And if you can last 15 minutes and 25 minutes against Junior Santos, against all those guys, you're a tough man to get out of there. Uh, in terms of Sakai, he actually has won uh, 11 of 14 uh, fights by knockout. So these two are going to go, go after each other. Um, I, this is almost like an unstoppable force versus the immovable object. And oh, I actually like Blagoy for this one. I feel like he's fought higher level competition. And I also feel like he's beaten higher level competition. Um, I know Saki has a split division win over Arlovsky, but a win over Ben Rothwell and Taitu Vasa, I think, is slightly better than a split division over Arlovsky. Yeah, I'll go with the Bulgarian bull, aka Blagoy. Uh, then uh, also a sh- big shout out to Billy. Quarantillo, who is actually our mate online, uh, he's taken on Spike. Yeah, he follows the show. So yeah, these two, I think, both one and zero in uh, their UFC tenure. Oh, I'm going to go for Billy just because he's a fan of the show. Uh, so I'm going to go Billy second round TKO on yeah. the Billy. Then uh, same here. T- then two lads from Danny Boy's Contender Series. Roosevelt Roberts is taking on Brooke Weaver. Uh, I actually really like Brock Weaver. Because he's like a Native American, and I just think he like he loves fight. He loves to fight everyone in a phone booth, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's uh, both these lads. Read that type of guy. Both these lads are. are it, it, uh, this is a huge fight for both lads in this lightweight division. Like uh, it, this could like sort of make or break their careers. Mm. One when, I, when I saw him fight uh, Vince uh, Bichel, I was like so disappointed from hell, Bichel yeah. and Ruzza Robert. So I'm gonna go for Brock Weaver. And I think he, he'll get like a third round TKO. Okay, well, since we've been agreeing on nearly everything. Well, I've been agreeing with you. I'll go for Roosevelt. And then uh, Russ's favorite Instagrammer, Mackenzie Dern, has taken on Hannah uh, Cyphers. And the yeah. Uh, Dern, obviously, absolute submission specialist. Uh, she's now uh, a mother. So oh, I like the fact that she's mother. And the fact that um, Cyphers actually is lost. And uh, Julian Roberts by rear naked choke four. I mean, she can be sub. So I'm going to say Mackenzie Dern second round submission. I'll go with Mackenzie Dern as well. Uh, also, the main event of the the, the prelims is Caitlin Chukigan is taking on Antonia Shevchenko, um, Valentina Shevchenko's sister, and Caitlin Chukigan previously fought Valentina. That was actually her last fight, which I actually think is quite funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for Caitlin Chukigan uh, this time because like. Obviously, she got smashed by Valentina, so this is her like chance for redemption. Like, right, I can beat her sister. Like, I don't think Antonia hasn't been as impressive 
Yeah, she's also 35. I thought she was like really young. She's not. Yeah, but she, Valentina can, has previously beaten Caitlin, mm-hmm. so she can, she has, and she trains with her all the time. Training with the best, Sharp and Zorin. I'm just going to go for Antonia here. Uh, a couple of shows sure. with people on the card as well. Tim Elliott, he's taking on Brandon Royval. Tim Elliott is uh, in the flyweight division, man. He, he could get a, he previously fought for the title. He could make another run in this division, who knows. Uh, Louis yep. Smoker, the man who ruined UFC Dolan against Paddy Hoolan, is also on the card. So uh, if anyone's watching that, make sure to boo him. But uh, <laughs> there's, there's nothing really else here that catches the eye, Ross. But uh, anything else to no. say about what we've talked about on today's show? No, I think if you have enjoyed today's show, what we would love to do is if you went in the comments below and told us who you think the GOAT is, who you think is going to be the next Bantamweight champion, who you want to see Kamaru Usman fight, fight next, let us know in the comments below. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. And as always, stay energized. Stay energized.